speaking of flaming out, um, let's begin another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. I, I don't, I don't know another another way. Like, let's just go down swinging, gents. What do you? What do you? Uh, I'm in. What do let's you? Jump in. Uh, I'm Chris Merman. I didn't introduce people last time, and I feel guilty for it. So I, I apologize to 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 Jay and Andy. But I will actually introduce Andy Clef this time. Or uh, Andy Clef. Hello, sir. Happy afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew Leff. Yeah, it's weird to have Andy and Andrew Clef and Leff on the same podcast. So good it to is- be here. Happy Sunday, everybody. Yep, it's not a typo. You're not seeing double. Well, you're right. seeing double trouble, but <laughs> it, it's. I find myself when I'm speaking to both of you, either on the same call or same conversation. I I yeah. tend to I see I, see Andrew. I call you Andrew most of the time, but when Clef is around, I I tend to gravitate more towards the Drew because it begins with a different letter. <laughs> then. Oh, oh, now he's putting a hat like the confusion of they're both wearing glasses. Oh, both look at this. I gotta find I don't know if I have a red hoodie. White, uh white beards. Uh I'll put white. a fit together for you, Andy. I'll I'll take care of you. I'll yeah, send, send you me, I'll send, send me you an official Drew fit. Oh my god. Can you imagine if Clef dressed like left? That would be amazing. We are talking about transformation. <laughs> Where are you getting your frames? Uh they're spy. They're called oh, it's a brand called right. Spy. Okay. I can upgrade my look. I'm due. I feel I'll, like I'll send you the link. Are those are those newer ones? No. I I don't for it, you because they're 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 much bigger than my comfort level. And so I'm in my mind, I'm like, did he get ones that are smaller or even bigger? Well, I'm old, so I need a lot of space no, to see. It's a stand, but wait. I like to be able to see the future. And these glasses, the bigger the glasses, the better the future. Or the clearer the future. <laughs> do you have little mirrors on the back so you can see the past too? Yeah, right? I, I do. It's it's why we like to look through the, the windshield and not the rear view mirror, right? So I have a little... <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Agile Grandpas. <laughs> yep, and we're going to complain about all these youngsters and the sinning and the... Grumpy old coaches. Get off my agile lawn. Um, uh, I tried to sound like Clint Eastwood and I failed. Um, Miserably. So we are going to continue on our series of the uh, the original sins of agile transformation. Um, and just like last time, I didn't determine on what we were doing in advance. Is there a specific sin that you all that is that is speak uh left you had an idea in mind last time do you want to do you want to go with what you had in mind last time oh my gosh you're asking me to remember <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about you called me the the grandpa and now i i'm i'm acting like one i can't remember what it was enlighten me get your i don't well I, that's funny is, is that i don't know that i don't know that we we went down that far path uh like Clef, is there is there a sin in particular that I mean Clef brought up sloth. Okay. Let's let's go there. Let's let's roll with it. Sloth. Laziness for those playing the home game. Laziness. Um I feel like we could um I feel like we could repeat a lot of the things we said about that's the great thing about these sins is that a lot of 
the actions that have put us in the position where we are as an industry can apply to a lot of the sins, right? Um, however, there there is specific acts of laziness that and sloth that immediately gravitate to our minds. So, Andy, is there a specific is there is there a time when you are in a room that you can that you can remember? Uh, oh, like <laughs> left put something in the chat for me. Uh, in Christianity, sloth is about a person not wanting to work because of their lack of motivation. <laughs> the person will not be physically inactive and neglect what God has said. Very often, this will lead to resources being wasted. As an example, sloth is about a person not helping those in need, even those they would be able to. Sloth is one of the seven capital sins, which is also called the seven deadly sins. Wow, that is a that is a textbook example of where we're grounding on. So you know, I, I feel like we can be a little flexible with the physical part. Right. But like choosing to be inactive, choosing not to act is where we're grounding. Right. So, cause which is different than laziness. And I'm glad that you said that left because laziness can be unintentional, right? You can be negligent and, and fall underneath like laziness, but Sloth is saying, I could do something, but I'm choosing not to. Are, are right. we good so, with that definition? Wikipedia says we are. And I agree with what how you paraphrased it into the context of the discussion. And I think what comes up for me with sloth, when we talk about transformation, is transformation is a big thing. Right? It's mm -hmm. big. And when we are posed with the the desire and effort to do something different, how does transformation make us slower and in our, our inability to move, right? Like it's slow by nature. So we can constantly inspect and adapt and understand the data to make changes to support transformation. But when you do this top down approach of this is transformation, everyone's going to change. This is how you're going to do it. Let's get the playbook ready. Does that create the sloth-like effort or lack thereof or inability to move and be nimble as agilists were taught in a way that we should be nimble, we should be agile. And I hate the word faster, right? I never use that word. You, you could move right. faster, you could move slower. So how are we looking at kind of the signals and absorbing them in a way to support transformation? Or are we being sloth-like by ignoring those because it's not fast enough. Or it's too big to comprehend, yeah. right? So often that, that big transformation, the work that needs to be done incrementally is just so damn overwhelming that it's a lot easier to just keep doing habitually what you've done instead of changing it. And so in my mind, that's a, that's a, is it, what's the adjective, slothness, um, <laughs> right? Accepting, that's the way we've always done it. Change is too hard. I refuse to try to change. And that, that's, that to me is. Yeah, huge. so I love, <clears throat> I love the bigness. Wow, pause. Um, I love the, the, the scale of things when we talk about transformation, right? So something you just said, Andy, really resonates and something that I, I, I've talked about it a ton of times, but to me, go back to your childhood days, or if you have kids, when you tell them to go clean their room, 
they're overwhelmed, right? It's it's too much of an effort. Where do I start? What do I yes. clean? So go pick up your socks out of your, your dirty socks out of your room and bring them down to the laundry or bring them over to the laundry. That is easier, right? And then you keep going through that. But that's exhausting. And I think that's where organizations get exhausted because it's like, I don't want to have to tell you exactly every... But the more that you can be prescriptive to teach in the beginning to apply that learning that transformation is overwhelming, but here's how we're going to start. The starting and then the stopping, has it's too much stopping, right? What are we doing after we start? How are we creating? Okay, now go pick up your dirty shirts. Now go pick up your dirt, you know? So how do we create a prescriptive effort to inspire more... Um, I don't know, consistency and and build momentum as opposed to these stops and starts, stop, start, stop, start, or start, stop. Well, so Clef and I did a podcast on um, simplicity end of last year, and that touches on uh, a lot of, we, we, we used this paper that Deloitte wrote on, on, transformation and simplicity in the transformation and that you you basically you rationalize everything like you take a look at everything you modularize and standardize everything that you can right that's possible to make the same right and so if you make put everybody on a level playing field it may not necessarily make them successful but at least gives everybody I, it's it's the same thing with frameworks. I, I heard the the ex, ex, you know the explanation of frameworks that has always stuck with me is it gives everybody a common language of terms and practices to start with while we figure out what we're doing next. So all of that comes into play. The, uh, also, left while you were talking, it I had this thought of like the whole um, centralization versus decentralization and what needs to be centralized you know, how many, like how many decisions need a, you know, need a, need a choke point of one person at the very top, making that call sort of a thing. I, but all of those things are external forces or outside pressures on us as change agents. And again, I know we hate that word, but that's really what we are. People advocating for change, all of these pressures put on us that it almost feels like by nature creates inaction. Yes. So, yes. And you, we were talking or you were talking about it earlier when we kicked off the podcast. The gym is insane right now, right? There's a desire for personal transformation. We'll use that for as an example, right? But what happens 30 days from now and you, you're not getting the results you want? You by most people, they just kind of fade, right? They fizzle out. They're like, it's too much work. I'm not losing weight. Well, are you doing what you need to do, right? Are you utilizing proper nutrition? Do you have a good routine? Are you diligent? Are you actually logging what you're doing? So there's a process, right? Are we mm -hmm. able to endure the repetitive nature? Go ahead, Andy. We, as, as, change agents try to endure that but you you talked earlier about the start stop cycle i want to focus on the stop because oftentimes the stop is the result of chris the lack of simplicity we also talked about org debt there's all these policies that change and blah blah 
And oh God, you want me to go down that rabbit hole? I'm just going to stop and I go back to status quo and I'll go start something else. And to me, that's also um, a, a type of laziness or sloth, right? Rather than pushing through the impediment, it's so much easier to abandon it and go pull another piece of work and increase your whip, which as we know, just exacerbates the doom loop at any scale and, and, until things implode. You talked about simplicity as well. Um, and, and so the, the act of saying no to something, I don't think is slothery. Um, I think it is take away something that's no longer useful and see what happens. But that's scary. And so it it freezes people on that climb down the tree. I'm, I'm getting a visual of a sloth. Yeah. Have you ever seen a sloth? Like yep. how slow they move and deliberate they move? That's that's okay. Unless you're growing algae and moss and, you know, speed to uh, experiment hypothesis validation is important. It's brutal. Yeah. And maybe that's where sloth comes in is is the lack of ability to have patience for for the sloth to climb down the tree, right? Because it takes so long. And you're like, just go from here to here. Quick, do it. But there's so much involved in from here to here, right? From top to bottom. How can we accommodate the slowness and understand how we're mapping that commute? From, from the top of the tree to the bottom of the tree, there could be branches, there could be a wasp's nest, there could be, you know, another animal and you never know. So how are you doing that mapping and understanding how to either navigate around those obstacles or alleviate them, right? So that's adding more time. There's another aspect to this that I, I was I was just struck by um, because we're, again, talking about all these pressures um, and, and different people wanting different things and not everybody wanting the same thing out of a transformation, which is a completely different sin and all together, but that we come in and we say, I want to, I want to be part of something positive turning around. I want to turn the ship around. I want at least one, you know, one degree, like keep doing one degree every day and eventually we'll be going in the right direction sort of a thing. Like we, we bring in all that positive intent. Um, and yet because, especially because the industry is what it is right now, like I don't want to show up and push too hard. And then all of a sudden I'm not a team player anymore. And I become expendable when the budget cuts come up because they come up at least once a year, if not more than once a year. And I, I, the, I mean, you all know, like if all of you listening either know yourself as having said it, which there is nothing wrong with this because I've said it many times, but, or heard someone say, I don't want to rock the boat. So I'm just here supporting them for, for at least for right now or for this meeting or for whatever. The, during the pandemic, when we didn't have, you know, when we got tired of having our cameras on and everything, I I knew a, I knew a coach that they actively did not want to hear anything that he had to say, but they wanted him there. They wanted him supporting them, and so he would just listen on on a Zoom call, 
and have his camera off and his mic muted and he just play his guitar because what else is he going to do on a call when he's not allowed to speak or say anything because he rocks the boat and it 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 creates this sense of i i like my job i like my salary i like my rate i like my client i like my whatever I don't want to rock the boat when literally that is the definition of our job is to rock the boat. But we are in a position where inaction is almost a job saving technique. Yes. And and I also take the, that same sort of frame and apply it to those that we're trying to help, right? The, the VPs, the SVPs uh, that are, that are in a position to help someone else, but perhaps choose not to because of, old incentives and behaviors, right? If, if I help you, my score goes down. Mm -hmm. And I'm judged on my score, not our collective score, mm -hmm. right? Now, if we if we change the incentive system that if all boats rise, we all get some kudos or extra dollars, um, that removes some of the pressure to be a sloth. Why would I help you if it lowers my annual bonus? Right? And then they're the people in the transformation silos um, that are battling about budget and, and headcount um, that we're trying to support. And we can't unlock that because we don't have direct access to the financial systems and the HR systems sure. that change those perverse incentives. So, so what do you feel about this statement? I, I love where you just took us, Andy, and Chris, for that matter. Is 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 finance the sloth of enterprise corporate America? One of them. Yeah, okay. I think there's. A, I think there's another. Um, there's another in in the human resources, people ops, etc. And both of those functions, their primary purpose is to protect the corporate body. Right yeah. from from financial from people in high enough positions going to jail for inappropriate financial actions, or um, litigation from the working class to those who manage them. So yeah, they they are huge sloths in any um, transformation initiative. Could, could you could you argue that anything, any part of your organization where documentation or announcements or whatever needs to be reviewed by legal counsel is any of that could fit into the category like finances, HR, um, uh, what are like almost the C-suite, if you think about it to a degree in some organizations, um, compliance security all of the i'm not saying that individually those people are sloth like in their behavior but because of what those parts of the org represent they are those outside pressures that force this this uh in inability or or lack of desire to move i don't yeah i don't i i like where what you're saying, I think if I think of it, it's more anything that has a fixed date, any part of the org that mm -hmm. attaches a fixed date to work becomes a sloth-like quality because now you're backing in, right? You are reverse engineering the work that's need to be that needs to be done to hit a date. And now 
we're we're not able to move at that speed, or if we are, something suffers, right? Quality, budget, whatever it might be. How I think that that to me becomes more of the theme of the sloth, right? This fixed date. Everything, you know, when we report to the street, if you're a public company, I get it. Like we can't change certain rules, but how do we work differently knowing that these are the rules? Those rules. I'm probably going to get killed on the internet for saying this. Typically don't change all that often, right? Especially, you know, reporting to the street. It's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. We report quarterly, X, Y, Z, our stakeholders, our board, whatever it might be. But why is this, why does this slow us down? Why do we continue to work with these fixed dates and continue to shoot ourselves in the foot and not be able to be agile? Right. Not have the the agility needed. Yes. To do things different. The, the, it, the, if you and you're all it, smiling when I said this is very interesting. Recalling a conversation you, yes. that, that we had the other day and one of our coaches's favorite question is after hearing this conversation is and, and you recognize yourself, sir, if you're listening. What are we optimizing for? Yeah. And we're optimizing for shareholder value. Yep. On a quarterly basis, on a fixed calendar cadence, because that's what we exist in. And and we the the there's a, a slothery, there's a desire to say, uh, I'm not motivated to change that because it's a huge risk. So I'm gonna choose inactivity and stick with compliance. But that's that's scaled sloth, that sloth at scale, right? If we make it, I didn't intend to I didn't intend to do that. I, I love just, it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, if, if you think about it, though, if you make it small, the 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 single person version of that is I don't want to be looking for a job this year. My only goal, my only professional goal this year, I have zero goal other than I don't want to be hunting for a job this year. That is my only goal. Do you not think that I have set myself up for inaction? In, in in certain scenarios, because I want to protect my, now I, I don't think I'm mm-hmm. saying anything controversial or whatnot. It's just that, again, pushing is not the, the like, I, I don't know that our, I mean, like AI and, and machine learning is, is pushing us technologically from a, what do we feel we're comfortable with? putting out there and what data are we comfortable letting these bots be trained with and such like I'm not so that may be the one exception but for the most part like you would have thought we were all in the cloud by now and that and that you know like security and compliance and unit testing was a part of everything that everything had a pipeline and stuff no No like we are still no further down this path for most large organizations than than others and it again, these pressures make us I'm I was smiling left because I like I I feel that pain, like what you were describing of like whether it's at scale and we have to optimize for this or that, or I gotta just protect my gig. Um we we feel like if I do something that someone else hasn't pre- approved or endorsed i might be in jeopardy of getting a call from my boss to be like hey why did you say that in that meeting like i mean that's a that's a version of that's a small version of sloth is i don't want to say something 
to embarrass my team, my boss. I don't want to get told like, why did you push there and stuff? You know, like this idea of being very direct is almost like a negative. These so let's days. check that. Check, check that it fits the, the earlier working definition of sloth. Does it lead to wasted resources? However we define that knowledge, effort, et cetera. Is there a direct correlation? To I think waste? so. I do. When, I think when it, you it, choose it, to, to be acquiescently it, silent. Is there, you know, I guess what a crucial, crucial conversations talks about silence is violence, right? So how that lack of it, it, develops the lack of motivation and the more that you see people fade or withdraw the more that becomes a viral experience right other people are then like well if if someone that i looked up to is withdrawn what what am i going to do right like i i no longer have the passion desire or drive because this person you know who i thought was really great is now defeated so that becomes kind of a ripple effect and i'm sure we've all seen it and experienced it to some degree and and that is for us not to be able to talk about that about what we're experiencing in a in a way to help i don't it's it's puzzling to me right like what's so bad about that conversation what's going on today that is you know i've been noticing a trend and i think this goes back to some of the conversations we've had over various podcasts talking about the investment in people, right? Are we investing in people? Are we investing their ability to work, right? Hey, I need you to do this. You're a good performer. Keep pumping out that code or keep doing this and at a high rate of speed. And there's no investment, right? You're just literally looking at the, the outcome or the output. And what I loved with the question that, that your colleague asked, Andy, or one of the coaches you work with is, you know, what is the outcome we're trying to achieve or something like that? Like what, what are we trying to optimize? Right. What, and that is a great question to, to reflect back. And I, I would love to know how it was answered, but on the flip side, I bet you it's a really hard thing for people to answer because you're, you're framing it in a, in a way that it's almost antagonistic, right? You're, you're kind of throwing it in their face in a way that says, well, you're saying this, and that doesn't really align with what we've talked about. So what are we truly trying to optimize for? It, I know I just took us on a total scenic route there. Sorry. Okay. Oh, it's great. It was good to see. Um, but it does bring out that crucial conversation. And all, you know, all of us and many of our listeners can practice in front of the mirror how to say it to minimize um, coming across offensively. And as opposed to, or with contempt, as opposed to curiosity, um, I wanted to go back to sloth at scale, and and looking at is it contagious? If if a who is it somebody with influence? Clearly, if they're if they're shutting down, other people will do it. But um, on, on what are the conditions that it becomes a contagion? rather than somebody saying, Chris, I noticed you didn't talk a lot today. What's yeah. up? Are you okay? <laughs> um, so I am, I, I, I just got a flashback, Andy. Do you remember the podcast you and I did years ago on organizational silence and the paper that you fed me on organizational silence? Same phenomenon, right? Like, like nobody, nobody creates an organization that says, I want nobody to speak up. 
Like nobody ever sets out to do that. Like they, we want people to feel empowered, that their voice matters to say something. And then when the boss is a little risk averse to change given, you know, given, well, this is a very important project we're running right now. And I just can't have any disruptions to it. And we have to have these dates. I, I was, uh, I was thinking early, like left when you were talking about like project end dates and stuff. I think it's funny how, I think it's funny that dates are set for anything. Cause I don't, I mean, does anybody have a project that finishes on time anymore? Like nobody, there's no such thing. We can have some of the scope done by the date that you said, but it never, it is never all of this scope will deli be delivered by. And it used to be once upon a time you did fit. Now you may have been working nights and weekends have been killing yourself, but you did hit dates at one point in time with all the, all the functionality that was there. So I, I think, again, all this plays into the fact of like, we we aspire our organizations to be something and then human nature kicks in and then we're left with what we have, right? Well, there's, there's the combination of human nature and the existing environment that keeps us, we talked about it earlier, we start something, but we hit a wall, we have to stop. Right. Um, and so... The other podcast that came to mind was, God, I have to look it up. Red is good, right? You're given yeah. a date and the pressure is you're green, you're green, you're right. You're green until like two weeks before. And then you're kind of yellow. What are you going to do to get it back to green? Yeah. Instead of all of us, you know, we're sloths when we say it's green, it's green, it's green. Whereas the dangerous part is no, it's red until it's not. That's brilliant what you just said. Green it's yeah. risky to sloth. Yeah. So in the same in the same vein, does does that date mentality and that red, you know, the rag status, all of these kind of measurements or rate information radiators, right? Do they help or hurt? To me, dates are about trust. And when we put a date out there, we're selling something and our customer internal and external trust that we're going to deliver what we say we are based upon a date. Now, when we bleed into that, it's kind of like if you've ever had construction done, right? If you're building a house or had construction done in your house, they never hit the date. It's right. you will get a portion of something, but there's always something that materials, someone's out sick. Software is the same way, right? Like we're working with people. And we have to find resources, not people, the, the resources that people need to be able to do their job to hit that date. But we also need to get people empowered to say bad news doesn't get better with age. So what information are we holding back and not sharing to, you know, get our leadership or whomever to understand where we are, how we're trending, what's blocking us? And that goes back to, again, does, does storytelling prohibit or support this sloth like uh, um this sloth like mindset or ability this sloth like experience which we're looking at sloth sort of with a negative connotation right we're we're kind of taking that sloth can be a bad thing we haven't we touched on it a little bit about how it could be a positive as well you know moving slow isn't bad but i, I trust just keeps popping up for me when we go into that when we dip our toe into the the date water right so I, I want to jiggle on the storytelling because I think it could go many different ways. One is it's a <laughs> it's total fiction, 
right? Yeah. We, we're doing de deterministic forecasting based on guesses we made when we knew the least. It's like your contractor saying, yeah, I can rewire that house in a weekend. And then I pull off the drywall yep. and find <laughs> toothpaste and uh, coat hangers. You're like, yeah, um, I got to reformat my date. The, the other story is one of probability. And we've had a couple of podcasts and we brought in uh, the pro Kanban folks and we, we talked about telling a better story. Based on our what we see in the rear view mirror, the story we can tell is we have about a X percent confidence that we're going to hit this. And then the issue comes in of, yeah, that's not okay. You still got to hit the original date we made three years ago. Yeah. There's more, that's sloth at scale, rearing yes. its ugly head. So you're attempting to correct it by a good story, but it's squashed. I mean, not willing to, being not willing to move the date or being flexible with what goes on that date like that's that's see see the last see see the last pod on pride for for <laughs> that you know um because then if you challenge someone for being you know again it's not laziness but if you if you insinuate sloth in any way shape or form people are like you calling me lazy like say it say it to my face you know what i mean like there's like I'm just doing what's best for my organization or I'm just trying to keep my job or I'm just trying to keep us in line or whatever. Right. Like there is a real, there's a real struggle with implying sloth to, you know, someone because I can be prideful. I can be loud and obnoxious and whatever and stuff, but Hey, I get, I get stuff done. And, and I, I, I work as hard as my, as I can. Don't you dare tell me that I'm lazy. La we go back to red. Red is good. Lazy could be good. Maybe. Right? I don't. I'm lazy. I won't. I don't want to do things that have no impact because somebody told me I should. I don't want to attend meetings that I don't add or get value from. That is good laziness. I don't want to fix something because I might get yelled at. That's bad laziness. And so that that becomes slothery. Um, we got a whole nother podcast coming. Lazy is good. <laughs> Is well, there a good so is there a side to sloth or a, yeah. a facet of sloth that is positive? I mean, all the deadly sins frame it in bad, 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 bad. But is there is there a beneficial facet? Yeah, when we did our first when we did our first pod on pride, I I I surmised surmised that humility was the was like the 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 medicine for pride right mm -hmm. i don't know that there's necessarily a need to say like the antithesis of sloth because sure. it, because yeah. as you both have very artfully said like action isn't always good like it's it's if to say inaction is an intentional inaction is bad well then always action must be good. We know for sure that ain't the case. Right. Yeah. Right? And I think too, if we think of it as, as a, as a speed limit, all right, the speed limit's 55. If we're doing a hundred, are we able to read the street signs to know where we're going? Or if we, or are we going too slow where we're, we're, you know, got a traffic jam because we're holding things up. So how are we looking at, at our speed when we talk about sloth, Right. right. 
and this ability to move either very slow, very fast. But how do we know? What do we say that currently right now our baseline is this? Right. We're going to see if this is. Excuse me. It it drives me crazy. Every meeting I'm in is about speed. I'm like, we have no way to tell how fast we're moving today. Right. We could be moving too fast. So, yeah, I think sloth could be a great way to look at things and say, we really need to slow down. Not every day can we drink from the fire hose. Right. It's too fast. I'm not getting any water. I'm dehydrated. So it's making me slower. My brain isn't working well. My ability to make good decisions is just challenged because I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. Right. I have all this stress. I'm not clear. I'm cloudy. Yeah, It's really amazing to watch people just really fixate on the negative. And maybe sloth as a negative, you know, ramps up that negative mindset. And makes it really slow for you to to cross over and and think more in a positive manner to to use sloth as a partner, right? Like, hey, I'm going to partner with sloth and kind of look at it differently. I'm going to use it as a gift. Oh, I like that. Use it as a gift. So, by the way, so that's an... just quoting ad, uh, manifesto principles without like that for the fact that you didn't say sustainable pace in any way, that shape, or form. I was like, how did he do that? How did he describe that principle to a letter without using the word sustainable pace? That was well done. I'll take the compliment. Thank you. So there's there's an element of slothness about not caring, right? Um, how I I can see when you give really? up and. Yeah, I think so. I think not having the grace to care, if you're sloth, you just don't give a shit anymore, right? And and that is part of the negative aspect. But I, I think slowing mm. down, um, being purposefully lazy, um, isn't not caring. I, I think the, the negative aspect for me is if you truly don't care anymore. That, that makes it sinful. I could see in my mind, I was thinking that caring about sloth can also be just as dangerous as not caring, like being so focused on y'all aren't doing anything like you're not moving. That goes back to that whole speed thing, right? Like you're not you're not focusing on the things that I told you to. I gave you a specific playbook of things to be doing and you're not doing it. Why aren't you doing it? Like that's also that's also pretty dangerous to be that's again, pride comes in and it's to be like, Hey, I told you all to move at this speed and you're just sitting here. Do I just waste my words for no reason? Well, like, no, you just said something like kind of dumb and we didn't really know what to do. So we just didn't do anything like that. That I see that all the time. And is that sloth? Is that a kind of apathy or is it something else behind this and cousins? <laughs> I almost think of it as atrophy, right? We we've we've damaged and we haven't been able to build that muscle back up. So even if you cared, you trauma there there we we've all had a level of trauma from especially those of us that have a history of large organizations and 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 big scale transformations. Like we've been we've been beaten up by this stuff so much. It almost is if like. I used to care about that. Like some of the people that, that left and I used to work with at our old firm that there were, there were people that we worked with that were, that were older than me that used to say that they, they would tell me the same thing every time. I don't care about getting promoted. 
I don't care about being called an enterprise or a program level or a t I don't care what level coach I am. Like, I'm just here to help teams. If it's one team, great. If it's 20 teams, whatever. But I don't need any of that extra. I don't need any of the extra crap. I just want to be helpful or something like that's that's a way to slow down and position your mind around your work in a way that's I used to, I used to snicker at them like, Oh, y'all are just too old to be ambitious. Like, no, they have That's a good, frame of, they have a good frame of mind about a sustainable pace and not pushing yourself and not caring about things that are, that don't generate value. Yeah. And that's valid. Where it crosses the line for me is back to the mental image of the sloth on the tree. If I just move slowly enough, no one will notice me and I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And I won't be subject to vicious attacks by predators or competitors, right? That's where it crosses the line as yeah. opposed to I'm willing to help. And if this is where I can help, the, there's no apathy there. There's no lack of caring. That that to me doesn't fall into one of the deadlies. That's realism. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't I thought about also, it like that. I was also thinking about we all know folks in our line of work that like they're the one that they always like doesn't matter what call there is or, or session there is they always are one of the first ones to jump in they always have something to say they always have an idea for that and trust me i have been that many times before and but one experiment that i tried when i started at my current firm was like, cause the, the piece of advice that I got going back to this idea of like inaction, not being necessarily a bad thing is I was told go slow. Don't walk in guns blazing. Don't walk in saying I'm here to change the world. Don't walk in saying you all are doing things wrong or right or whatever, just absorb what's happening. And I intentionally made myself sit and listen and take notes in every call. And the, making myself not talk has actually benefited me in a way that uh, is a little novel for me. And I, I'm, I'm sort of ashamed to say that at 46, that like learning not to talk is, is a good thing at this advanced age, but whatever, I'll take yeah, it. It's better than 64. Give yourself a pat on the bat. Back. <laughs> Fair. Um, what else do you want to tug on? We so many great things. I, I love sloth at scale. I, know. I, I think is, there's is there a, another a certificate way that sloth in there. Could be is there left? Is there another way that we miss that sloth could be a good thing? I just think it gives you more time to see the world around you. Right. So I, I think we I struggle with the pace, right, of of work and and the constant raising of the bar. Yet we're not given, you know, you've heard me use this metaphor. They always give us a 10 speed bicycle and expect us to win the Indy 500. I can't, I just, I can't do that. So how do you, how do we invest in building a car to be competitive, but high performing, right? The opposite maybe of the sloth like quality is burnout. So again, how do we look at sloth in a way that creates balance in the way we work and the ability to understand when we need to be speedier or when we need to slow down based on people's motivation level. If it's becoming negative, they're unmotivated. What are we doing to create that? Or are they just an unmotivated person that isn't going to, you know, that's going to stay in that lane. So we're going to go around. 
Yes. And behind every unmotivated person is a shitty system that they live in. It's not about <laughs> them. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I I love your stories there. I'm stealing 10 speed bicycle on an indie track, <laughs> uh, but sometimes, oh, the thread just fell out of my head. I, I'm <laughs> always rewind the to... recording and pick up the the great thing that left just said that I wanted to tug on. It'll our come kids back always our kids always reinforce the principles that that we talk about on this podcast. Like, I if if it's if it's the right topic or the right activity or whatever every one of my kids will hustle like every single one of them. I don't have to say run. You know what I mean? If I show up to the airport and I say, if we don't get through security in, in seven minutes, we will miss our flight. Like, like, you know, my youngest is 12 and he gets that, you know what I mean? Like, Like it's not hard if you give them the right topic and motivation. I, I, at the same time, I can't get people to care about what I care about all the time. I'm not that I, as charismatic as I think I am. Sometimes I am not that good to where I can make anybody care about whatever I want them to care about at any point in time. Like that's not how humans work. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, like the, the, the comments left was saying about like, well, what are we, what are we, or sorry, Andy, you said about like, what is like, what are we trying to optimize for? Like what are, ultimately, what do we care about in this sense? Like, if they will acknowledge what they care about, then then they'll hustle for that, right? Like we don't have to ask people to hustle, but if you say, hey, um, your calendar from eight to five is booked solid, and then you have work to do on the after, you know, on, on the back end of that, and I'm not willing to let you not, like I can't give you a break from some of these calls that you're on, but then they're gonna work 13 hour days and they're gonna be burnt out. So how do you, you know, everybody's caring about keeping their jobs right now because of the market. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you don't want people to leave, like, Hey, how about we create a betterment environment for them and then give them something that they want to stay for. Right. Like, so I, I don't know. I keep thinking about like, well, how do I, how do I keep funneling you all back to something that you actually want to do? as opposed to whatever dumb activity of like, well, let's do the sailboat retro this time. Like who cares about any of that? Right. Like, like how do we care? How do, how do you care about something that actually makes you all better? I don't care about what game we play or workshop we run to get it done. Like let's make something valuable. Andy, you made a face at me that I throw that. Well, throw I'm at. curious what context do you want to play this out on? Is it an individual team? Is it a one-on-one -on -one leadership consult? Is it, you know, you're in the, 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 upper levels of an organization planning strategy for the year or quarter. Let's give it some context because I think it might matter how we would approach that. So you're probably right. In my mind, I was thinking there wasn't a whole lot of difference, but obviously if I'm running a workshop in front of a C-suite and, and I would be a little more structured in trying to get them to acknowledge what they, what they're motivated by and what they want to optimize for, and such as opposed to having an unstructured discussion, but, but ultimately whoever's on the call, if, if, if I can at least motivate them to acknowledge what we all collectively care about, then we, we should be able to find the right pace to do the stuff that we care about. Right. Maybe, but the reality is all of us see that that doesn't happen. 
you 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 put it up we agree yet the motivation doesn't magically appear because there's something else dampening it down or antibodies destroying it and and until we uncover that we don't unlock the cure for sloth and the, it being a contagion so what removes motivation well we, so we i, I love I kind of love the cerebral quality that we're dipping into. And if I think about it this way, is what symptoms are we treating and ignoring the actual problem, awesome. right? As opposed to, are we going to cure the problem and then not to, because symptoms, right? We, we all go to the doctor. It's a call to practice for a reason. You go in there, you have it, you have some symptoms, they treat those symptoms and, you know, you continue to explore avenues if, if the treatment isn't working why do we and and i think this also plays into the slothiness right why do we lose the desire and an ability to continue to look for a cure and not just treat symptoms agile isn't an aspirin right it's not you just don't take you just don't do agile and your headache goes away in fact it's probably creates more headaches right so you can't just use it as a as a, a uh, treating a symptom. Go ahead, Andy. I don't want you to lose your thought. Well, we've all, we've all said this at some point in our career. There are no silver bullets. Agile is not the solution. However, it's going to show you where all the problems are. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I was just thinking of like, well, add a, a big A or little A agile, whatever we want to call it, is not is not an aspirin. However, there are lots of aspirin involved in what we do. Like, like frameworks came up with practices that like, I, it's like, it doesn't solve anything for us to talk for 15 minutes a day about the work that we're planning on doing and aligning for it. But that surely does solve the symptom of we don't ever communicate very well. And I don't know what anybody's working on anymore. Right. So I guess it, that going back to the scale thing, like it depends on what symptoms you're trying to solve. Like I, I'm thinking just to be realistic, like maybe that's all I'm really supposed to be working on is working on symptoms and forget about curing the the disease. Like, I, I mean, I've, I've lived with, uh, I lived with diabetes for 30 years. I, there is not a cure coming around the bend for me, but I bust my butt to manage my symptoms and to, and to make the best quality of life that I can for myself um, by exercising, eating right, making sure I'm regimented with my insulin dosages at the right time, documenting what I'm taking, when and where and stuff, using data to help me and everything. Doesn't cure diabetes, but I have a lot better quality of life than most diabetics because I've busted my butt doing it and I haven't been slothful. I have chosen action, right? So, so maybe that's... good. Yeah, real quick. Maybe that's the sloth the lack of motivation to continue to explore, to fix or cure uh, cure problems as opposed to just being on a maintenance plan and tweaking tweaking the medication we take to treat the symptoms. And I'm not comparing this to diabetes, right? No, like, no, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that, that ability to continue to invest in, in looking for opportunities without overwhelming everybody with a ton of like different, right? Like there has to be, smaller things to do. And we talked about this earlier without overwhelming people by telling them to go clean their room, right? How do we tie that all in together or tie it all together to, to progress us and, and allow us to apply the learning, 
that to me is also a slothy. We ne we teach, but do we actually reserve capacity to learn what we were just taught? But I, I stepped on you, Andy, because I was I forget too, and I was full yeah, of passion. Bring us moment. bring us home, Andy. I, I don't have big toes. Don't worry about me. So let's let's keep going with the diabetes analogy. So Chris, you have a body; it has diabetes. There's you accept that in your lifetime there's not a cure, so you choose to manage it. Right. You could also choose not to manage it and be a sloth and have circulation right. problems, amputation problems, weight problems, blah, blah 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 blah. Now let's switch switch the model. We are brought in as coaches, transformation agents, change agents to an organization that we observe is diabetic. Mm. We don't accept that there's not a cure. We accept that there is a cure to organizational diabetes, and it's beyond managing. There are cures, and we talked earlier about the cures involve finance, HR, practices, all these things. Yet they're so fucking difficult to change where we fall back into slothery. Chris, you said it earlier as I just want to keep my job. Yeah. I'm not going to move so fast on this limb of the tree that someone's going to go ah, whack that one. Well, and maybe you can get my worldview or my bonus. Yeah. I, I maybe, maybe a good place to land is, in some of in some of the organizations that you all work in, or that we that all of us work in, right? Some of us are placed in an organization where we have a voice that, um, by by eschewing sloth and choosing action, we can start to address some of the larger scale symptoms. And ultimately, if there is a cure for whatever we're going after. Um, cause you could argue there isn't a cure for some of this stuff, like that the super cynical nature is, is there a cure for the human condition? But that's not what we're saying. It's not what you said there. And it's not, I don't want to be that cynical. I have to be a little more optimistic of that. Or otherwise I'm like, I don't have anything else to do today. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be, I'm, I, I'm going to be cynical while I'm watching the Cowboys later today. That's, that's what I'm saving my cynicism for. Um, the uh go birds but, yeah exactly like well yeah, I'm, well yeah. um i think that i think that choosing again if if we have a voice if we have the ability to take an action to stand up for something that may address a larger symptom great great then then if you if you if you feel like you have the safety to go for it choosing shine action on. can be good yeah shine but on. I think what we all agree on is that not every action is good and not every word is a good word. And that maybe learning to regulate our pace and slow down just enough to where you can choose words more wisely, make your decisions more wisely, maybe crowdsource an idea before you throw it out in a, in a, in a presentation or a, or a, or a white paper or, or an idea in a meeting, like maybe, like maybe build a groundswell of, um, you know, do some bottom up, you know, transformational, you know, efforts and such, as opposed to starting up top, like there, there is a way to go. Um, sloth is not bad if it's utilized for the, a, the right reasons and the right way. Um, 
but fine. I mean, I, if, if anything balance, this is, this is a, this is a podcast for balance, like balance the pace you go decisions you make and how far you push. And there's something that can be done. We just have to figure out what it is we need to do. Is that, is that a fair way to land this? It, it is. And I think just one final note, and I was taught this, I, I used to be big, or I still am, I just don't have one anymore, into saltwater fish tanks, right? Reef tanks. And there was always a statement that has stuck with me, and it was so true. Nothing good happens in saltwater fast. So literally, if it's too, if you feed the tank too much, if you put too much chemical, if you don't have the right balance, it blows the tank up. So you have to slowly get things back to a healthy state. And maybe that's how we partner with Sloth and say, how do we slowly increment these changes or implement some of these changes that we need? Because if it's too much, too fast, nothing good can happen, right? We'll either trigger our workforce, we'll kill morale, we'll have people leave, we'll have people shut down, we'll have people have lack of motivation. So what are we doing to create sustainable pace to, to quote you earlier, Chris, right? To have the ability to at least acknowledge the speed at which we move and then the chaos in which we create, let's be intentional. We want to create chaos. Great. What does that mean? What does that look like? Why are we doing it? Right? So I think that to me is how I am going to look at sloth in my daily routine now. And I challenge all of our listeners to, to try out some experiments with kind of the, the concepts that we're talking about. I'd love to hear some feedback on the discord and so forth, you know, engage with us and, and, and tell us what you think or what you've experimented with when it comes to the slothiness of, of that's a t-shirt, by the way, we're, we're, we're going to make a t-shirt and we're going to give it out to somebody that, that, you know, yes. kind of engages with us over this He's topic. making the stickers as we speak. <laughs> yes. Well, cool. Let me land the plane. So if if you if you just by accident tuned in and made it this far, subscribe, catch the next episode. As we mentioned at the top, we're, we're doing a series on the seven deadly sins. Um, we'd love for you to join us on this journey. Lef mentioned our Discord server. Wonderful place to join. See the show notes for details. Don't be lazy about it. Climb down to that tree. Come on. You know, you have to come down and take a dump every now and then. Um, you don't have sorry. to leave the tree to do that. Don't sloths come down like once a month to defecate? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that one up. Um, wow. We'll open a sloth channel on the Discord server thanks. for Love all you aficionados. And uh, thanks again. And uh, if you enjoyed this show, look for the Patreon link and we'll we'll make sure to send you some sloth stickers along with other swags. That's right. Chris, Laugh, it's always a pleasure to jam with you too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys are the best. Yeah, signing out. Ka-ching. Ring the bell. Hit the buzzer. Bing. Go Cowboys. Go, Go Birds. birds.